Amen. Amen. Uh, let me ask you to interact with me here so you can say something out loud here. Uh, we live in the land of Aloha. Um, now, give me a sense. Uh, some of you were uh, you're born and raised here, and others have you've come and are visiting here. Um, what does it mean? What is the Aloha vibe? What does that mean, Aloha? What do you sense? It's a it's a word. Um, what what is it? Yeah, Marianne. Okay. Well, don't take all the words now. No, it's warm. It's reaching out. What else? Including, okay, embracing. Anyone else? What else? What's the the Aloha vibe? Good. good. Welcome. Great. Okay. Good. Anyone else? What's the Aloha vibe? You, you, you. It can be a good. That's right. It's a good. It can be. It's a word that can be used to, to say goodbye, but it's got a good, good feel to it. Kindliness. Mm-hmm. Aloha, kindliness. Doctor. Yes. Okay. Good. So it's a. Uh, it's a kindness. It's a fruit of the spirit kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, it's interesting that how this has developed. Uh, aloha. It's a. It's an acknowledgement of the person. It's an acknowledgement of a person matters, and it's you're here. And I want to extend to you kindness and acknowledge you as a person. So we've been looking. Uh, just begun this series on. The grace vibe. What is the vibe of of grace? Uh, if 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 aloha, if Hawaii has as a culture sunk some roots into you, what is it like when you communicate that? How does aloha? How is it communicated? One local person uh, was very kind. They had visited uh, here at Trinity, and I bumped into them somewhere. And I asked for some honest feedback uh, about the congregation. Uh, they were my secret shopper. And uh, they said, beautiful church, beautiful people, very complimentary. And then I really pressed them. I said, now that's, come on, help me, help us understand, help, help me. And she said, well, you could give more hugs. More hugs, hugs. Uh, those of you who are from, I don't know where you are, but maybe you, like this, right? It's, yeah, right? That's what, in Detroit or something, right? Uh, it's offended those who are in Detroit. What I'm saying is, uh, the mainland is, yeah, that's as good as it's going to get, right? I only hug my mom, or right? Well, if you uh, want to get a feel for the culture here, start getting comfortable with hugging. Uh, you know, that's, that's the sense of it. So what's, what's the feel of grace? What's the sense of it? I want us to, I would love to have your input. Uh, give me a phone call. Send me an email. What is the vibe of grace? Have you, if, if you've been touched by grace deeply, what, is it, what does it do in, in us? What does it do in us? Is it, is it, again, the fruit of the Spirit gives us some ideas, patient and kind and loving and long-suffering. We can keep we're going to keep exploring this. And so this morning I'm exploring the idea of this famous story. I'm sure it's one of the top five stories in the Bible. 
Zacchaeus in the tree, the wee little man, a vacation Bible school song, right? Uh, this, little, this little man, uh, this story, uh, 10 verses long in our English Bibles, um, Zacchaeus is uh, a chief tax collector. Um, that means he's got, uh, he's got employees. And he's worked out uh, quite an arrangement with the, the Roman government. And, uh, and then he is, he's transformed. It's uh, not a lot of insight into what's happening, but enough, especially about the subject of generosity and, and money. I'd like you to think along with me, what would be the vibe that comes from a guy who has been defrauding people, using his position of power to accumulate wealth, using people, disregarding people, uh, disdaining people, has no room for people in his heart, loves money. And then he He's got this curious thing about Jesus. The idea probably is that Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus hung out with people like him. He probably had heard that tax collectors and maybe some of his own employees had heard or had dinner with Jesus or that Jesus was approachable. And this just wasn't, this just wasn't what a tax collector experienced. Uh, social inclusion and so he was curious and eager to at least see this Jesus. So from afar, the grace of Jesus, the remarkable acceptance of Jesus for all kinds of people, it attracts Zacchaeus. And uh, so he's brought into this, uh, the realm of Jesus. And the, the road, uh, Jericho was about 17 miles north of Jerusalem, and it was a border town, new region up there. And so this road was really, there was a big customs station. So if you're traveling through this road, you had to go in there and you had to pay some sort of tax uh, to what was likely a, a, a Jewish individual, a Jewish man, and they would uh, grant you uh, the rights to travel on the road, etc. The details behind uh, the passage is that we're really drawn in, like almost like a a movie a movie uh, a producer would would tell the cameraman to zoom in, zoom in here and zoom in there. Um, so we're kind of seeing a big picture. We're in Jericho. The road's packed with people. Zacchaeus is a small man, and so he's he can't quite get a good glimpse. So he's running ahead. There's energy at the passage. There's a there's an eagerness uh, in the passage, and then uh, he's in this uh, sycamore tree. Um, some have described this as close to something we'd call like an English oak, but the branches are relatively low to the ground, and so he jumps up there, and he's got this view of, 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 this, of the crowds. If you pan away and look at this large scene, Zacchaeus just blends in. No one, you wouldn't see him in the tree, probably. People up on the hills and on top of houses, the roofs, and and then the the one who has all this attention on him. By the way, this is his last. Jesus has traveled to Jerusalem before. Just prior to this, in Luke's gospel, he has mentioned now for the third time that he will go to Jerusalem to die. 
Along the road, this is one of the last accounts in Luke's gospel of Jesus, his public ministry. He will be in Jerusalem soon. Uh, Luke 18, we have Jesus uh, warning that it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So it's quite unusual that Jesus would actually would be interacting with a wealthy man like, like Zacchaeus. Uh, the arrangement that Zacchaeus had with uh, the Romans was something like this, is that he actually represented and paid the tax for this region. And then is this a fee that he paid to the Romans? And then the Romans always liked to have people of the ethnicity that they had conquered uh, represent the, the dirty job of getting taxes. So Zacchaeus was the, the chief collector of taxes. So he had paid the due, the, he essentially paid the tax to the Romans. Now he was essentially an employee of the Romans, and he had uh, his underlings, and now they would be trying to recoup their own expenses. But of course, they would be free to add, add more. Uh, and later in the passage, we find out that Zacchaeus offers, if, if I have defrauded anyone, and that's how the English translates. Uh, it's almost like he's, well, I, I imagine I've defrauded someone, but it's a lot stronger than that. It's almost, it's, it's more close to, since I have defrauded someone, uh, I want to pay back four times what I owe. He's this lone individual in a tree. He's easily overlooked. He is socially ostracized. We can think of his loneliness as an individual. And the, the rabbi, the miracle-working rabbi has stopped underneath this tree. Surprisingly, Jesus wants to encounter him and to, to have close association. It's the only account of Jesus essentially commanding Zacchaeus to open up his home in hospitality. Usually, uh, there's Jesus waits and then someone invites him. He is despised. Because what he's really doing is he's taking money from Jews and he's getting that money into the Roman hands. And the Romans, of course, are these pagan, idolatrous people. And no doubt this money would end up in idolatrous practices. So he was cooperating in, in the great violation of many Jewish scruples and biblical thought. So he's not really a Jew, is he? He's not really a Jew. He's not loyal. He's uh, unclean. He's really a Roman in that sense. He's really like, if you conspire at this level, you're really sort of completely sold out. So Jesus surprisingly uh, calls him by name. There's no indication that Jesus knows his name, but of course Jesus is a prophet and prophets do this. Um. Of course, Jesus knows the whole story of Zacchaeus, knows what it's like to be Zacchaeus, identifies with him. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility 
if the grace of God is at work. And then the word hurry is introduced into the narrative, the word hurry. Zacchaeus is scurrying down the tree. Zacchaeus is hurrying along. We don't know if Jesus is hurrying along, but there's a movement to the passage, and they're, they're heading to Zacchaeus' house. And then there's a, uh, a moment when apparently they are, are dining. They are in uh, Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus stands up. And then he declares, Behold, Lord, verse 8, the half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Um, that's how you regain your reputation <laughs> uh, pretty quickly. It's called restitution. In um, the book of Exodus uh, 22, we're told that if you were to steal someone's sheep, uh, or if you were to kill someone's sheep, you are to repay that individual for, for sheep. Uh, so this was a way of, of healing relationships. Uh, and so Zacchaeus has this moment when faith has come into his life. We're not sure, actually, if he had begun to practice this prior to encountering Jesus is possible. Jesus may have known that this, this trajectory, this movement of his heart, the direction of his heart was moving this way. He had perhaps heard of the grace that was in Jesus. And why was he so eager to, to be with Jesus? And the whole key for him was just to see Jesus more clearly. And now we find out that the passage is about Zacchaeus seeing his own heart more more clearly. What do you think Zacchaeus was like as a chief tax collector? Um, people who collect fees from you, they're not, the most, they're not the most gracious people in the world, are they? They're not the most kind people. Collecting fees, they're not the most relational people. Pay your tax or you'll receive... You'll get into, you're going to get into trouble. And now it's very interesting that the change, the change of heart is instead of pay your tax, give me what I need, it's I need to pay you. I need to be generous. I need, I need to focus on, on you now. One who had been defrauding people, lacking common courtesy, to at least be charitable as a tax collector, to be kind. To, he was aware there were a lot of conversations coming up, a lot of conversations that needed to take place. And so he's aligning himself with the kingdom of, of Jesus. Why does he say in verse 8, half my possessions I give to the poor? What? I mean... He had clearly heard or understood that the ministry of Jesus included a rich portion of time, energy, and money to the poor. When he makes that statement, he is making a statement of, Jesus, I am aligning myself with your purposes. In the ancient Near East, when a rabbi would 
receive someone's pledge to follow them and to learn from them and to receive tutelage or mentoring, inevitably it would be a giving up of what could possibly hold you down from traveling. That would be a lot of possessions, and so you would get rid of these. So it was a sign that Zacchaeus is saying, this life of hoarding, this life of possession-keeping, I'm at least going to cut it in half, and I'm going to, I'm going to join your purposes, Jesus. Then Zacchaeus receives a kind of benediction from Jesus. Now, he's accursed in the community. He's socially ostracized. He's not welcome. We can, we can infer that from the passage. The passage tells us that the people are murmuring in verse 7. He's gone into the house of a sinner, right? a known, like, you know, he's just, he's lost. He's, there's no hope for him. And then Jesus, these remarkable words in verse 9, just, today, make no mistake about it, today I can assure you that this man stands in the way of saving grace. Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Now the murmuring crowds, perhaps outside the house, must have heard this. He too is a son of Abraham. Jesus goes right to his newly forming identity. He is a responder by faith like Abraham. Abraham gave up his comfortable settings his comfortable possessions, probably a wealthy man. And he responded in faith and began to move in the direction that God would have him move. He too, this Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. One who was considered to be a non-Jew is actually a true Jew. One who by faith is responding to the message of Jesus. So he's expressed saving faith. And the evidence of this is that he is now loosening, loosening himself from what held his heart. It's a beautiful picture of gospel culture. He is becoming a generous person, a generous person. C.S. Lewis says that it may, be poss- it, it may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter. It is hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back. A load so heavy that only humility can carry it and the backs of the proud will be broken. It is in light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. 
You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is mortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. This is a, the revival of a heart that is embracing the second great commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And what does it look like? What's the grace vibe? Generosity. Generosity. And so the call upon us is to believe so deeply in the riches that Jesus gives us that generosity now overcomes us because we are now entering into the generosity of God in the cross, in the life of Jesus, that we are now the recipients of this remarkable grace that, so make, that makes us so rich. But we are not likely to do this. We're not likely to do this until we take a look at the tree. Jesus commands Zacchaeus to come out of the tree. It's not too much to say that it is a tree of marking his inabilities, marking how he's a bit secluded from the rest of the crowd. Zacchaeus will not change unless he sees the willingness of Jesus to change him. And we will not change until we watch Jesus in his loneliness, in his being ostracized, in his being put upon the tree, the tree of shame, treated worse than a chief tax collector, treated as one who should not be considered human. Jesus comes to us with this kind of generosity, giving his very blood, his life blood. This is the vibe of grace that Zacchaeus must have sensed and felt. Zacchaeus understood riches. He understood wealth. But he also sensed his own poverty. He also sensed his need. What is this need? Something's not right in me. And now he sees more clearly what he needs in the presence of Jesus. He sees more clearly the deep resources that are in Jesus, the grace that's in Jesus, and he is overwhelmed. Another kind of generosity has overwhelmed his small heart. And now he's, he's free. He's moved from fear to freedom. Whenever we're sensing and understanding the gospel, I, can guarantee, I will state with absolute certainty this is the dynamic going on in your heart. The fearful heart is assured and feeling good and feeling comfortable and feeling secure, and that fear is reduced and it's moving out in freedom. 
There's a generous embrace, a generous aloha, a generousness. There's a movement. There's a movement to divine grace. It doesn't just come from heaven and stop in a spiritual cul-de-sac. It's a movement of divine grace from heaven to you and then through you. It's a vibe. It's an embracing. It's I'm secure. Let me welcome you. There is no sinner that I cannot understand or embrace. I have no superiority over anyone. I am amazed that I am here at this table eating with Jesus. God, in his great costly grace, is chasing us down just as Jesus approached Zacchaeus and looked at him under that tree God is chasing you down with the very same costly, beautiful grace that you might and I might and we as a church might communicate this beautiful gospel culture. A transition is at work and underway in this individual. The little man who becomes, in a sense, bigger. He becomes generous. He grows in stature, doesn't he? He becomes what he never could become, bigger in his generosity, bigger in his appreciation of people. Think of this. Think of the many, many conversations he would be willing to have with people who he had defrauded. And let's ask this question. This is a hard one. Am I in some way, out of a lack of generosity, defrauding other people? Do I defraud them because I don't spend time with them? I don't purposely go out of my way with communicating costly, something costly to me, sacrificing something. Am I defrauding people, my friends in the church, of just time with them? Am I Am I including? Am I embracing? Am I welcoming? Am I looking for people who may not feel like they belong, but I walk over to the tree that they're in? See? Watch. Every time, uh, every time our, we gather as a church, it's an opportunity for you to, to bring those that you have encountered. Bring them. We want them to experience this gracious aloha, Spirit-empowered aloha, welcome, hugging, welcome, embracing people, welcoming them. Think about that. Think about what would it look like to love your neighbor as yourself. Zacchaeus is now just beginning to understand the freedom of that, the freedom of giving instead of hoarding. That's what the grace vibe Looks like. Isn't that good? Ah, oh. Pray for me. Pray that I will become that kind of giver. I'll pray for you, for this generous vibe. Let's pray. Father, we are uh, the recipients of your grace. And uh, it is a costly grace, but boy, are we uh, happy because we received it. 
Thank you for finding us. Thank you for coming after not just chief tax collectors, but chief sinners like us who have defrauded people of what we owe them. And now you are joyfully restoring our humanity. You are, you are kindly, you are desiring that our, our, our humanity would be restored to us, that we could move toward people, we could become like this Jesus who walked this earth, who should have been overwhelmed with his own concerns, who had time for this man who was just lost in the crowd. What a remarkable God you are. You find us. You notice us. And we are not lost to you. Oh, we thank you. We thank you in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.